Amen, amen. Come on, can we just bless the Lord tonight, church? So I'm thankful that God's here, like Pastor Darrell said, that we don't have to once again invite him because he's already in this place. Amen. And I'm glad that you're here as well. As most of you already know, we have been in a series that's titled Pray Then Like This. It's a lesson in the Lord's Prayer and prayer itself. And tonight we're going to look at part four, which is Hallowed Be Thy Name. It's taken from Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 through 13, when Jesus said to his disciples, When you pray, pray then like this, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. How many of you are thankful that we have a Father which is in heaven? Amen. How many of you are thankful that these words that Jesus spoke are more than poetry? They are a lesson that is to be learned by every son and daughter of God, by the followers of God and the children of God, so that we can better connect with God. And that's what this whole series is about. It's not about us learning poetry. It's not about us being able to memorize this verse and and be able to say it at the the drop of a hat. This lesson is in order for us to learn how we can better approach God and how we can better have our prayers heard and how we can better have our prayers answered. It's a, it's a lesson in, in giving us a better understanding of who God is and who we are as well. Amen. So far in our series, and I'm not taking the time to recap, but just to move into where we want to be this evening, we've looked at the disciple who said, Lord, teach us to pray. Teach us to pray effectively and teach us to pray fervently and teach us to pray intimately. Teach us to pray like you, Jesus, was the desire of this disciple. We don't want to pray like the Pharisees pray and we don't want to pray like the religious leaders pray. We want to pray like you, Jesus, so teach us to pray. And the Word of God tells us that Jesus obliged their request and He said to them, when you pray, pray then like this. And before I move on, one of the first things that I want us to see that we haven't covered in the past is that according to Jesus' reply, it appears that Jesus expected His disciples to pray. If you look at it, Jesus' response to the disciple was not if you pray or should you decide to pray. It was when you pray. Because the reality is Jesus expected that his disciples had a prayer life. Jesus expected that his, his followers would have a prayer life. Jesus spoke these words as if prayer was already a part of their everyday spiritual disciplines. When you pray, Jesus said, pray then like this. And the truth is God still has that same expectation today. God still expects that his people should pray. Amen. Jesus' response infers a natural assumption that his children would have a prayer life, church, that they would be practicing the spiritual discipline of prayer because that's what his followers do. They pray. That's what his disciples do. They pray. 
When you look through Scripture, that's what his students do. They pray, and that's what his children do. They pray, church. What was it that Paul taught Timothy in 1 Timothy 2.8? He said that, I would, that all men everywhere ought to pray. Because that's what God's children do. That's what his people do. They should pray. And they should be praying all the time. You see, what we have to remember is that God expects us to pray. The Lord's Prayer was not a lecture to those who don't pray. It wasn't a a rebuke to those individuals who failed to pray, those who didn't have a prayer life. It wasn't a sermon on the need for prayer. If you look at it, it was a lesson on how to pray effectively. It was a, a lesson on how to pray fervently. It was a lesson on how to better connect to God and have our prayers heard by God. It was a lesson on how to get our prayers a little bit higher, church. And it was being taught to those who already practiced the spiritual discipline of prayer. So when you pray, Jesus said, not if you pray, but when you pray, pray like this. Pray in this fashion and pray in this manner and pray in this understanding like we already learned. Pray like this. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. How many of you know God's name is holy? Amen. How many of you know that his name is wonderful counselor? It's mighty God. It's everlasting father. And his name is Prince of Peace. The word of God tells us that his name is mighty. The Word of God tells us that His name is powerful and His name is pure. His name is great, the Bible tells us, and greatly to be praised. You see, the reality is when we come into the house to worship, we are worshiping Him because He is great. We are magnifying Him because He is great. We're lifting up our song and we're clapping our hands and we are worshiping God because He is greatly to be praised, church. You see, the reality is there's something powerful about the name of God. And the more we understand the name of God and the holiness of God, the more we're able to worship God and trust God and love God. The Word of God tells me that His name is Alpha and Omega. It's the first and the last. It's the beginning and the end. The Word of God tells me that His name is faithful and true and glorious, Lord. You see, what we need to understand this evening and when it comes to prayer and it comes to worship is that His name is not Mohammed. His name is not Allah. His name is not Buddha. His name is not Baal. His name is not uh, popularity. His name is not Bush. And His name is not Clinton. And His name is not Obama, church. His name is Yahweh. And His name is Yahshua. And His name is El Shaddai and Elohim, the Creator God. His name is the name which is above every other name. And that name is holy. And that's... What we have to understand, and that's what Jesus is teaching us when he says, pray then like this, our Father which is in heaven, hallowed be thy name. His name is Jehovah Jireh, my provider. And you need to understand that when you go to him in prayer. His name is Jehovah Rapha and Jehovah Nissi and Jehovah Shalom and Jehovah Sid Canoe, my righteousness. I don't know about you, but I'm glad that he is my righteousness. Amen. His name, the Bible tells me, is Jehovah Makedash and Jehovah Shammah and Jehovah Sabaoth, who is the Lord of hosts. His name is a strong tower that we can run into and be safe. 
His name is the name which is above every other name. But above all of those things, His name is holy, church. His name is holy. When you speak the name of Jesus, you're speaking the holy name of God. When you speak the name Elohim or El Shaddai or other, any other name, you are speaking a name that is holy. The Word of God tells me that His name is holy, holy, holy. And He is the Lord God Almighty, church. His name is holy because He is holy. And when we go to the Lord in prayer, we have to understand that that we are coming into the presence of a holy God. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. When we pray, Jesus said, then you are to pray like this. Pray like He is holy. When you approach Him, approach Him like He's holy. When you come before Him, we need to come before Him like He's holy. When we worship Him, we need to worship Him like He's holy. When we serve Him, we need to serve Him like He's holy. When we give to Him, we need to give to Him like He's holy. When we praise Him, we need to praise Him like He's holy, church. Because He is holy. Pray then like this, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be Thy name. What that tells us is that when we pray, we have to honor Him, church. When we pray Him, we have to revere Him and we have to respect Him. And in a sense, we have to fear Him as well, not to be afraid of Him, but to fearfully be in awe of who He is. You see, the sad reality is far too often we come into the house of God and into the presence of God and we have no respect for God and we have no reverence of God and we have no awe for God. We have no fear of God, church. But Jesus said, when you pray, you've got to come with this understanding. You have to come with humility and you have to come with reverence and you have to come with respect because our Father which is in heaven is holy. Please understand for any prayer life to be effective, for any prayer life to be powerful, for any spiritual life to be effective or spiritual life to be powerful, it must be built on the fact that God is holy. That He is holy, holy, holy. That He is the Lord God Almighty. When we begin to understand who that is and whose presence that we are coming into, it begins to change the way we stand before God. And it begins to change the way we communicate to God. And it begins to change the way we present ourselves to God. And even how we expect to receive from God. Unfortunately... Far too often we treat God casually and sloppily instead of holy church. Far too often we approach God like we're pulling up to some fast food restaurant window. Instead of acting like we're standing at the window of heaven before a holy and a righteous God. Far too often, church, we treat God like He's some sugar daddy in the sky. Far too often we treat God like He's some dime store clerk giving us something on sale or on the cheap instead of treating Him like He is holy, holy, holy church. And when you pray, pray then like this. Pray like my Father in heaven is holy. Pray like He is the Lord strong and might. Pray like He is holy. Pray like there's no other name above the name that you're praying to. Far too often we think coming boldly into His presence requires no respect. We think coming boldly into His presence allows us to just come rushing into His presence without any reverence, without any awe, or without any humility. Far too often we come running into the presence of God or to the table of God with dirty hands and dirty hearts. 
You see, I don't know about you, but when I grew up, when I came to the dinner table, I had to be washed and I had to be cleaned. Didn't matter what I was doing outside when I came into the house, when I came to sit at the table and enjoy the, the, the banquet or the food that was set before me. I had to wash my hands and I had to wash behind my ears and I need, and I had to put on some clean clothes before I sat down at the table. And the reality is the same thing applies when we come into the presence of God, into the house of God. When we come into the house of God and we want to dine with Him and sup with Him and sit with Him. We got to make sure that we wash our hands and wash our feet and wash our heart above everything else. You see, when we come into the house of God, into the presence of God, we have to understand whose presence we are coming into. And it is a holy God. You see, I understand that He is our Father and we can call Him Abba Father. I understand like I taught that we're knit to Him and, and, and that we can come to Him through the work of Jesus Christ. I understand that the veil was rent in two. But the reality is, even though as He is our Abba Father, He is holy, church. And He is worthy to be reverenced and He is worthy. Listen, we can't treat God like we treat our earthly fathers and mothers sometimes. We can't treat our Father which is in heaven like we treat our earthly parents sometimes. We have to treat Him with reverence. We have to come before Him with reverence. Far too often we think we can just rush to the table of the Lord, like I said, with dirty hands and dirty hearts. But the Word of God tells me in Ecclesiastes 5, 1, that we are to guard our steps when we come into the house of the Lord. The Word of God tells me that we are to watch our feet when we stand or come to stand in His presence, that we are to be careful and considerate when we come before the Lord You see, I'm not preaching this to be condemning because I'm part of this equation and I'm part of this conversation. But the sad reality is far too often we come into the house of God practiced. Far too often we come into the house of God rushing through the hecticness of the morning and rushing through all the things that we have to do to get here and we forget that when we walk through those doors that we are walking into the presence of a holy God. We forget far too often that we come into this house. We're not coming into man's house. We're coming into the house of a living God. We forget that when we come into the house of God or the temple of God, like I taught last week, that we really are stepping out of the natural into the supernatural church. You see, we can sing all we want about your presence is like heaven to me. But unless we truly understand what that means, church, it means nothing to us. And the reality is what, what that song is trying to teach us and the Word is trying to teach us is that when we come through those doors into the house of God, we're coming into a holy place and we're coming into the presence of a holy God. And when we understand that, and when we respond to that accordingly, then this place becomes like heaven. This place becomes filled with the glory of God. This place becomes filled with the power of God, church. And you might call it like they did in the old days, the Shekinah glory of the Lord. You see, there's a lot of places that, that have forgotten that this is the house of God. All of this sometimes gets in the way. All of the decorations and all of the fanciness of this place causes us to forget that this is the house of God. We don't come into the house of God to be entertained. 
We come into the house of God to worship a holy God. We come into the house of God to surrender ourselves and offer ourselves as a living sacrifice to the one who loved us so much that he gave his only begotten son so that whosoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. When we come into his house, we should treat it like his house. When we come into his house, we should show him honor and we should show him reverence and we should show him respect, church. What Jesus is trying to teach us, the Word of God tells me that we are to be careful and considerate when we come into the house of the Lord because He is holy, because He is the Lord God Almighty and the whole earth is full of His glory. Remember in Exodus chapter 3 verse 5, we find Moses on the side of a mountain when he notices a burning bush. And the Bible says when he turned to come near to the bush... God calls out to Moses and he says, stop, don't come any closer, Moses. Take off your sandals for where you are standing is holy ground. Stop. Don't come any closer, Moses, because where you're standing is holy ground. Stop before you come any closer, because I want you to understand that I'm holy. Stop. Before you take another step in the flesh, I want you to understand whose presence you're coming into, Moses. I am the Holy One of Israel. Stop, Moses. Don't come any further because you are standing on holy ground. And how many of you know wherever God is is holy ground? This is holy ground because God's here. If you're driving down the road, that could be your your car can become holy ground. If you're in your bedroom or your You're in your rec room or you're in the the break room. As long as God's there, that place becomes holy ground. And when we're standing on holy ground, we need to be cautious and we need to be careful. We need to understand whose presence we're in, church. This is what Jesus is trying to teach us. Don't come any closer and take off your sandals for where you're standing is holy ground. Again, what God was telling him is guard your steps, Moses, because you're about to come into my presence. Watch your steps, Moses, because you're about to come and stand in the presence of the one that is holy, holy, holy. You see, what we have to remember and realize, church, you know, I've taught you and you've heard all about it, that when Jesus was crucified and he cried out with a loud voice and and he offered up his spirit to the Father, the Bible tells us that the earth began to tremble and that God reached down into the temple and he took the veil and he rent the veil in two from the top to the bottom, giving us access to God. But what you and I need to understand is even though we have access to God and even though he's made a way through Jesus Christ, there is still that thing called the laver, which was outside of the holy place where the priest had to wash his hands and wash his feet and make sure that he was in right standing before he came into the presence of God. And even though we don't have to go through a priest now, and even though God has made a way for us to come into his presence, we need to make sure we come clean. We need to make sure we stop by the labor, and we need to make sure we wash off the impurities of our hand and the impurities of our feet and the impurities of our heart. When God rent the veil in two, he didn't topple over the labor. He gave us all equal access to God, just like the priest did. But we still got to wash our hands and we still got to wash our hearts. And we still have to understand who dwells in that holy place. And it is the Holy One of Israel. It's the one who is holy, holy, holy. One of the reasons 
that the modern church today is not experiencing the power of God like they should experience the power of God is because we have forgotten that He is holy. We have forgotten this thing called reverence and we have forgotten this thing called awe. We have forgotten this thing called humility and we think we can bypass the labor and come running right into the presence of, of our sugar daddy in the sky. We have to remember Jesus said, when you pray, pray then like this. Approach the Father like this. Open up your mouth and speak to the Father like this. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. It sets the tone for the rest of this psalm, which we'll look at. Don't dare ask God for your daily bread unless you're ready to recognize Him as being holy. Don't ask Him to take care of your debts or forgive you of your sins until you're ready to recognize Him as Savior. Don't ask Him to to keep you from temptation unless you're ready to recognize Him as holy, holy, holy. It sets the foundation for the rest of His prayer. We have to understand the depth of what those words mean. We have to understand that He's holy, holy, holy. But one of the biggest problems with the church, like I said, and with the God's people, is we forget that He's holy. We forget we're coming into the presence of the Holy One of Israel. We forget we're entering into the Holy of Holies because this is what this is. Or wherever it is you you attempt to go to the Lord in prayer, you are creating a holy place, church. You're asking the Spirit of God to descend in your car or in your bedroom or in the backyard or in the break room. Every time we bow our head and we call on heaven and ask His Spirit to descend, we are creating a holy place. And we have to respond accordingly, church. Because where God is, is holy. When we pray, we must understand that we're not coming into a common place, but we're coming into a holy place. We're not coming into a natural place, but we're coming into a supernatural place. We're not coming before a common father, but we're coming before a holy father, which is in heaven, church. We forget far too often to take off our sandals in the process. You see, the reality is anytime we come into the presence of God, and I'm not talking physically, even though there's nothing wrong with it, and I encourage it from time to time. I'm talking about spiritually, we're to take off our sandals, church, before we come into the presence of God. Just like he told Moses to take off his sandals, we must take off our sandals as well. And I'll explain that as we go. Sandals which represent the dirtiness of this world. Sandals which represent the uncleanness and the lowliness of this world. When God said to Moses, Moses, stop. When God said to Moses, take off your sandals, he was telling him to take off the dirtiness and the uncleanliness and the lowliness of this world. The sandals represented the natural and the carnal and the common. The sandals represented all of our earthly limitations and our frailties and our inadequacies. And God said to Moses, take off your shoes. Or take off your sandals. He was saying take off your uncleanness or take off your earthliness or take off the dirt and take off that which is common because where you are standing is holy ground, not common ground. You see, I hope you understand, church, that there is nothing common about our God. There is nothing common about the house of God. 
There's nothing common about the the Word of God or the will of God or the ways of God. There's nothing common about the presence of God, church. It's uncommon and it's holy. There's nothing common about the person of God or even the will of God or the ways of God. They are all holy, church, and we must treat them as holy. The sad reality is far too often we treat them as common, And what Jesus is trying to teach us is if we want to grow spiritually and we want to grow in our prayer life, we cannot treat any of these things as common. But the sad reality is far too often we do, church. Far too often, like I said, we treat the house of God like it's a common place. We treat the house of God like it's a natural place. We treat the house of God like it's a common house instead of a holy house. I see the way some people treat the house of God. I see the way some of the people act in the house of God. There's people in the house of God that steal things from the house of... I'm not saying you. But there's people in the house of God that steal things from the house of God. They break things in the house of God. And they could care less. They mistreat things in the house of God. Forgetting that everything in the house of God is holy. Everything in the house of God is holy. This is holy. It's a glass jar, but in the eyes of God, it's holy because it's part of God's house. It's part of God's possession, church. Everything in this house is holy. The seats that you're sitting in are holy. The instruments that we play on are holy. In the Old Testament, every single item had a purpose, and every single item in the temple of God had to be set aside. It had to be sanctified. Everything was set apart for holy use. For holy use. It could not be used for anything else except to glorify God. Every little thing was sanctified. There was a little shovel that they would use to just scoop up the ashes that would drop on the table from the candles or any from the burning incense. That was sacred and that was considered holy. Why? Because it was in the house of God. Because it was a possession of God. It was the property of God. And we have to understand that, church. Listen, I'm not, I hope you grasp what I'm saying. I know that there's no old tabernacle and I know we're not, but this is the house of God. This is God's house. We ask Him to come into this house and we ask His power to descend on this house. We ask His healing to come into this house and comfort and forgiveness to come into this house. And yet we treat it like a common house. We treat it like it's a common place, church, instead of a holy place. But Jesus is saying is when you pray, when you come into my presence, you must treat it like it's a holy place. I want you to understand that there's nothing common about this word, church. And yet far too often we treat the holy word... This is called the Holy Bible for a reason, because it's the Word of God. It's the Holy Word. And yet far too often, even the people of God treat it as a common word. Well, I know it says it in there, but I don't like what that says. I know what it says in there, but that that was 2,000 years ago, and this is modern today. I I, I know that God said that, but, but, but see what I'm saying? And we treat this as the common word of man instead of the holy word of God. We treat his will like it's the common will of man. 
But what you need and I, what you need to understand and what I need to understand is that when God says something to us, it's not a common word. When He speaks His will into our life, it's not a common will of man. You see, it's one thing for me to ask you to do something. It's one thing for the pastor to ask you to do something or your spouse to ask you to do something. But it's another thing for God to ask you to do something. And when God asks you to do something and God tells you to do something and God encourages you to do something, it is His holy will. It's not the common will of man, but yet, listen, that's what we treat it like. Well, I don't know if I feel like doing that. You understand what I'm saying, church? There is nothing about God that is common. Nothing about His house, nothing about His person, nothing about His name, nothing about His word, nothing about His will, nothing about His ways that are common, church. They are all holy, and we have to treat them like they're holy. God said to Moses, take off your sandals and take off your shoes, because where He was was holy ground. It wasn't common ground. Please understand this. Before God showed up, that was common ground. Before God showed up, sheep were all over that place. Before God showed up, that was just common ground. But, but in the grand scheme of things, God decided to show up on the, on the sandy side of a mountain and, and reveal Himself in a bush. And when He came down into that bush, it, it was no longer common ground. It was holy ground. And when the Spirit of the Lord descends in this place, it's the same way. It becomes uncommon when you go to a place of prayer. You are stepping out of the natural. You're stepping out of the common into an uncommon place. Out of the natural into a supernatural place. Stepping into a holy place like I taught last week. And we must treat it like it's holy. And we must revere Him like He's holy. Please look at this. When God told Him to take the sandals off His feet... God did not introduce himself to Moses until Moses took off his sandals. God didn't give divine direction to Moses until Moses took off his sandals. You want some direction from God? Get the dirt off your feet. You want some divine revelation and divine direction from God? Get the earthly sandals off your feet. You want God to speak to you and you want God to reveal Himself to you in a mighty way? You want God to tell you that He is, he is the, the God of your forefathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and that you're His children? Take the sandals off your feet. You see, God did not reveal His will to Moses. He did not reveal His, his self to Moses. He, he did not reveal anything about His divine plan for Moses until Moses took the sandals off his feet. And when he did, then he said, I'm the God of your forefathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And then he gave him the divine plan and will for his life, church. So my point is simply this. If you want divine direction from God, there has to come a place where you take the sandals off your feet. And you and I understand whose presence we're standing in and who it is that's speaking to us, church. Listen, I don't want to lose you or get too theological with you. And I'm going to change the way I'm doing the service tonight because I'm going to allow a little bit time at the end for a little bit more praise and worship. So if the the praise team is listening to me, I want them to start making their way out because I'm going to wind this down. I'm not done, but I'm winding it down. 
I don't want to lose you, like I said, but what we have to understand about what God said to Moses is this. For 40 years, Moses served and walked under the authority and the leadership of Pharaoh. He walked in earthly majesty and he walked in earthly power and he walked in earthly authority. And then for the next 40 years, we, we discovered that he would walk under the authority and the leadership of his father-in-law, Jethro. He would walk for the next 40 years in the commonality of man and in the power of man and in the ability of man, just like he did in Egypt. Please understand me, as powerful as Moses was when he lived in Egypt, his power and his authority was still earthly and not divine. All the power and all the authority that he had was still limited in comparison to the power and the authority of God. No matter how royal Moses might have been when he lived in the land of Egypt, he still walked in earthly authority. And then for 40 years, like I said, he would walk under the leadership of his father-in-law. In the commonality of man. But now, here on the mountainside, God was telling him that he was about to walk under the power and the authority of a holy God. He was about to step into a supernatural realm and a supernatural role. But in order for that to happen, he had to take off his earthly common shoes, the Bible says. Because what Moses was about to do was uncommon. What Moses was about to do was supernatural. What Moses was about to do could not be done in the natural. What Moses was about to do, which was to go back and face Pharaoh and set God's people free, what he was about to do, he could not do in the power of man. Couldn't do it in the authority of man. Couldn't do it with the abilities of man. He could only do it under the power and the authority of a holy and righteous God. Moses had to take off his shoes because he was about to enter into another realm, church. And when we pray, or when we enter into a place of prayer, we do the same exact thing like I talked about last week. When we enter into the presence of God, we're entering into another realm. When we enter into a place of prayer, like I said last week and said earlier, we're entering into another realm. And sometimes we struggle in our prayer lives because we just don't get that. We don't get the fact that I'm about to enter into another realm here. We don't get the fact that I'm about to step into the presence of the one who is holy, holy, holy. As we're diving down the road and we have this thought or we have this care and we begin to open up our mouths and whisper a need out to God or cry out a need to God, so often we forget that I am creating a supernatural place, that I'm asking God to to come and visit with me. And when we do that, so often we forget that that place right there becomes holy ground. And I'm talking to my Father which is in heaven, but that He's holy, church. And if we could understand that when we enter into this place of prayer, that we are entering into another realm, that we are coming into the presence of our God or our Father which is holy, it changes the way we pray, church. 
If we want our spiritual lives or our prayer lives to be powerful and we want them to be productive, we must do the same. We've got to take off our sandals. We have to take off the common and we have to take off the carnal. We have to take off the uncleanness and we have to take off the pride and we have to take off the ego and we have to understand that we are in the presence of a holy God. You see, one of the hardest things for us to take off when we come to prayer is pride. But the reality is, in order for our prayers to be effective, we have to be willing to do what Moses had to do. We have to take off our sandals. I'm not saying take these off, and now that makes me holy. I'm not saying take those off, and now that makes me clean. What I'm saying is it's symbolic of what has to happen right here. If I'm about to come into the presence of God, I've got to take off the uncleanness. I've got to take off all of those things that have stuck to me and clung to me throughout the week. How many of you know we live in a dirty, filthy world? And the dirty, filthy world leaves deposits on us. We don't even have to purposely want to go out and grab them and wallow in them. But this world has a way of leaving its filth. This world has a way of just... Attaching itself to us. And what we have to understand is this thing called prayer is an opportunity for us to to come out of that muck and come out of that mess and come out of that uncleanness and come out of that commonness and step into another realm. But in order for us to do that, we've got to be willing to take off some stuff like Moses did. We've got to be willing to take off all of those things, like I said, that have attached themselves to us because we're coming into the presence of the one who is holy, holy, holy. So when you pray, Jesus said, pray then like this. Pray like I'm holy. Come into my presence like this and worship me like this and talk to me like this, like I'm holy. Not like I'm common, not like I'm earthly, but like I am Holy, 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 the Lord God Almighty. I'm closing with this because what I'm going to ask us to do in just a moment, I'm going to ask us to gather and just worship God tonight as He is holy. But I'm closing with this. In most Hebrew synagogues, you will find the words, Know before whom you stand engraved upon the doors and on the entryways of the synagogue for everyone to see who enters. And the words are there to remind us that we are about to come before the audience of a holy God. Those words are there to remind us that we're about to step out of the common into the uncommon, out of the natural into the supernatural. Those words are there to remind us that we are about to step out of the things of this world into the presence of a holy God. No before Whom you stand. When you go to prayer, Jesus is teaching us, know before whom you stand. When you come into the house of God, know before whom you stand. When you open up the prayer closet, no matter where it might be, know before whom you stand. When you lift up a hand, know before whom you stand. When you give of yourself, you give of your tithes. When you give of your service, know before whom you stand. I want you to know tonight, church, that we are standing before a God which is holy. Amen? 
He is holy, 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 and He is the Lord God Almighty. When you pray, pray like this, Our Father which is in heaven, hallowed be Your name. Here's why I want to end tonight. It may be awkward, it may be different. But I believe God's worthy of some more praise and God's worthy of some more worship. Amen? So I'm going to ask, we got like 15 minutes. I'm going to ask that we would stand to our feet. And they're going to lead us back into the presence of the Lord. And we're just going to worship God. I don't want you to come to ask. I just want you to come to adore. And if you're comfortable with this, I'm going to ask that you make your way to the altar. If you're comfortable coming out of your seat and just gathering here in front of the the altar of God, I just want us to worship Him tonight like He's holy, holy, holy. And if you can take off your shoes, if you're comfortable with it, as an example of saying, God, here I am, I'm taking off all that's unclean, I'm taking off the pride, I'm taking off the ego, and I just want to worship you tonight. I'm going to worship with you. I'm not going to stand up here. You go ahead and sing. Let's just worship the Lord. I'm going to wait for the Holy Spirit to just guide us tonight. But worship Him once again.